0: Our pastor's been giving us an opportunity this month to do what I hope we do all the time, but with a little more focus, and that is to reflect on the blessings that the Lord has seen fit to distribute to us through this church as a vehicle. And one of the reasons we want to do that um, is to enlarge our expectations of how he uh, might be inclined to bless us in the future. And so, one of the things we will do tonight, in the course of the message in Numbers, you can turn there now if you'd like. We're in Numbers 10. One of the things we're going to do is, uh, I-, I want to do my part and share with you some marvelous verses. But then I want the verses to give rise to opportunities for us to pray, and that's the that's the work of the church. It's both a privilege and also uh, a discipline. So. I'm going to warn you in advance, I'm going to call upon you as a congregation to stand and sit a number of times in the course of our time together here tonight. I'm going to invite you to stand in prayer. However, uh, I I want you to feel the freedom and permission not to stand. If that's just too difficult, getting up and down, Uh, some of the chairs are, are, are a little tough in which to do that. So please, please, please uh, just stay comfortable, take care of yourself, stay where you are. If you're more comfortable standing uh, when I invite you to do so and pray, then you could do so. But please do not feel in any way that you're calling undue attention to yourself or that we're thinking ill of you. No, no, no. These matters before us are far too important for us to criticize the position we are assuming when we come before the Lord in prayer. So that being said, uh, we're going to pick up tonight where we left off last week, so that means Numbers chapter 10, uh, verse 11. Israel was liberated from bondage, but they haven't hardly made any progress to their land of promise They've been largely camped out uh, at Mount Sinai at this point in this text for almost an entire year. And so it says that, verse 11, in the second year, see, second year since they were redeemed from bondage in Egypt. Second year, specifically in the second month, even more precisely on the 20th of the month, the cloud... God used it to guide them, was lifted finally from over the tabernacle of the testimony. They've had to wait. They've been in a holding pattern. Think about it. You and I are not too good about waiting. They've been having to exercise the discipline of waiting for almost an entire year. And they needed this. They may have thought they were ready for the challenges and even the opportunities ahead, But God knows better. They were not yet ready. They had to be formed and shaped and matured and organized. And they had to learn the disciplines of prayer and uh, respect for the Word of God and His holiness Otherwise, they would be a ragtag mob trying to make their way through the wilderness, assaulted on many fronts by adversaries, thinking they could make it to their land of promise uh, in this state of immaturity. And so it's been a developmental process, a discipleship process, if you will, touring, growing process, individually, but corporately as well, together, so that they could move forward, uh, not as a mob, but as an organized, um, uh, well, fighting unit, because there's going to be plenty of warfare, spiritual and otherwise, ahead. So, now they're just about ready to confront what lies ahead. Are you... Are we? It's a challenging life situation we find ourselves to be in, rather unsettling in many respects. Are you ready for forward movement as an individual, but in keeping with our theme for this month, more particularly as a church? Uh, One of the beautiful songs we sang during our worship time uh, had the words, uh, greater things, have yet to come, greater things are still to be done in this city, in this place, in this church. But do we have a capacity to participate? Uh, Can the Lord entrust to us greater things, challenges, and opportunities? And so I want to ask you now to do the work of the church, and that is to petition God to increase as a church, our capacity for more. Uh, The history of this church, uh, distant past and immediate, is a very dynamic, exciting one. Do you realize four people just publicly identified with the Lord Jesus Christ as a preliminary uh, almost to our service? Do you realize that kind of thing? which is our privilege fairly regularly around here is simply not occurring in all churches quite as regularly it's a celebration there there are two right now congratulations to you you know what they did they said we belong to Jesus we heard you loud and clear through the picture you gave us by being baptized you didn't have to say a word They said we belong to Jesus and he belongs to us forever. You know what they said? We are unashamed to be called Christ ones. You know what? They said we had a sin problem and the Savior resolved it for us. They said it isn't Mohammed, it isn't Buddha, and it isn't Moses. They said the Savior who saved them from their sin problem is Jesus. They said all that. We saw it. We received it. So great things have occurred here. And I think greater things have yet to come. Are we ready? Or are we a little too much of a ragtag mob? Do we need maturing? Do we need mentoring? This has been our pastor's invitation of late, starting with men but extending to women as well, to be grown, to grow up through a mentoring process, to be ready for greater things yet to come. So I want to invite you now to stand to your feet. If you're comfortable, otherwise, please stay seated. Uh, We really mean that here. You are important to us, not your posture or position. We're glad you're here. And I want to invite you, as we do sometimes, to become a concert of prayers, music to the ears of Abba, Father, Almighty God, who could distinguish your petitions even in the midst of the crowd, but who delights in having all of his kids harmoniously lift up their voices to him in prayer. Would you do so... In the next minute or so, asking God to increase your capacity to participate in greater things yet to come and the capacity of our church, would you say, oh God, we are so grateful for the marvelous things you have done, but we have a kind of a sanctified dissatisfaction because we hunger for even more, for your glory and the good of your church in the days ahead. Now that means we have to be morally ready so this may be a good time for you the lord will hear you no one else will don't worry to get right with god perhaps over a moral failure he loves you he'll never leave you or forsake you however you're quenching his very spirit in you and thus the greater things yet to come which he would otherwise have for you to engage in, you may be disqualifying yourself from. You did not forfeit your salvation. You may have forfeited the privilege of grander service opportunities. So you have to lift up holy hands. So are you morally ready? Am I? Are you spiritually ready? Am I? Do we have high expectations of greater things yet to come? And do we have a sanctified, earnest desire to participate in it? Would you, with every ounce of your being, and yet in your own way, would you lift up your voices in unison now, asking God to increase our capacity and ready us as a church for greater things undoubtedly yet to come? Please, church, pray together all out loud right now. Pray to the Father. Lord Jesus, hear our prayers. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated, but don't get too comfortable. Listen, you think this is bad. You, you could be in a Lutheran church. They do this like every Sunday. It's not so bad, just once in a while. So notice verse 12. The sons of Israel set out on their uh, journeys from the wilderness of Sinai and the clouds settled down uh, in the wilderness of Paran. That's their destination, but there'll be many stops along the way. It's a wide open, vast desert area, the northern part of the Sinai Peninsula. You are undoubtedly becoming more and more familiar with the Middle East each day. It appears in the news. This is a place in the news all the time. Sinai Peninsula. And then it says, uh, in verse 13, they moved out for the first time according to the commandment of the Lord through Moses. And what you have in the next few verses, verses 14 to 16, I'll just summarize it, is the marching order of tribes. So the first three tribes, uh, who are supposed to move out in, uh, in, in order, are Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon. Judah, Issachar, and Zebulon move out in order. Remember, uh, the congregational believers has to be an organized body. It can't be, and everyone did what was right in his or her own eyes. That's just not the way it works. So they moved out in order. And then we read in verse 17, then the tabernacle was taken down. Remember, the tabernacle was the place where God said, I'll establish my presence here and... It's called the Tabernacle of Testimony. Uh, the Word of God was here, housed in this movable tent. Movable, Because the people of God had to be on the move. No, we, we don't want to be, sustain the territory we've taken. We don't have the luxury of just sustaining what is. There always has to be another hill to take for the glory of God. Buckle up. There'll be plenty of time to Rest. <laughs> But now's not the time. Now's the time to be busy, involved in the work of the Lord. And so the tabernacle is taken down, and notice who carries it. Uh, They're the sons of Gershon and Merari. See, those are sons of Aaron. They're priests. They're Levites. Only a select group could lay their hands on the tabernacle. And notice now, all that's taken down is the infrastructure of the tabernacle, but not its furnishings. Those are not mentioned yet. Now in verses 18 to 20, the next three tribes move out, Reuben, Simeon, and Gad. And that brings us to verse 21 where we read, Then the Kohathites set out, also a group of priests, and they carried the holy objects, and the tabernacle was set before their arrival. I tell you, this hit me like a ton of bricks. It had to be done sequentially. Don't you see? The infrastructure of the tabernacle had to be disassembled and fully constructed before the holy things could be brought into it. And I couldn't help but thinking, Oh God, that is our very situation uh, to a lesser extent, but it's the same situation we're in. Until that magnificent building in the back is fully constructed, holy things cannot be brought into it. What holy things? A candelabra? No, you and me. We're the holy people of God. And I must tell you, we can't get on with it all. (laughs) Until that is finished and we can move in, A holy people uttering in that building holy prayers in a spirit and lifestyle of holy worship offered to the most high and holy God. Folks, I'm a little impatient. And the burden of that building is not square on my shoulders as it is on the shoulders of others here. And it's not squarely on your shoulders either. There's a pastor and leadership who have to know the details and be involved in it all and communicate to us for sure. But the full burden of an incomplete building is on their shoulders. But it's our responsibility to get it done. The burden is on them, but the responsibility is ours. So, folks, I don't mind telling you uh, I've had enough Of the building program let's get it done let's just get it done let's just move in as holy objects let's get on with what the Lord has for us so what does that mean it simply means a miracle and this is miracle March what it means is we're not going to get it done on our schedule unless the Lord blesses through his people a a a sizable amount of money so that we can keep to the schedule. What if we don't? The world doesn't come to an end. It'll be done. And maybe the Lord is saying, not your schedule, mine. I don't know that. But maybe the Lord is saying, I want to bring you to a point where you think it can happen so that I can show you it can. I think God may want to say, you already have the wherewithal to get it done. You just have to release it. You just have to release it. So I want to ask you to stand to your feet again, if you don't mind. And I don't understand specific numbers, which is a a little bit ironic, because as a Jewish guy, I'm supposed to understand all these things, but I missed missed the train, (laughs) I guess. Um, I, I know we have a marvelously precise, wonderfully thought through schedule of construction and very, very expert, wonderful people supervising and managing and all the rest. And I just know um, that we need the next installment uh, from an already marvelously generous, sacrificially giving church. We still need uh, an additional amount in order uh, to continue the next phase without having to stop. And I want to get in it, to tell you the truth, if you, if you don't mind me just being a little impatient. Uh, but not for creature comforts. I want to get in it so that we can move holy objects in it, claim the territory for the Lord Jesus Christ, use it as a marvelous uh, beacon of outreach in this community and far beyond. So would you just pray for the miracle of God's provision, financial provision, So that right on schedule, we can... Do you know what a test... Look, it's already... I drove in today and I just looked at the physical plant and I'm overwhelmed. I don't know how in today's day and age and in this economy, that much is there without one penny of... What's the word? Debt! Not my vision. That's the pastor's vision. And it's a biblical mandate. Who gets the glory? But how? Tell me how that. How how does that? How did that happen? All the bills are paid. Everything is. How does that happen? But that Almighty God is putting His blessing upon us, and I don't mind telling you, I would like some more, (laughs) and quickly. I just would, so that we could get on with the next phase of Great Commission activity. So would you please lift up your hearts and voices to Almighty God and say, God, would you do what is unreasonable and irrational? Would you please supply for us exactly what we need to finish that building right on schedule? Please lift up your voices to the head of the church right now. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. Please be seated. Who needs the gym? Look at all the exercise. So so in verses 22 to 27, we find the next tribes who depart from the camp. Ephraim, Manasseh, Benjamin, Dan, Asher, and Naphtali. Uh, They take off. And I want you to notice now something quite interesting in verse 29. Take a look. Moses said to a man named Hobab the son of another man named Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. Moses said to him, we're setting out to the place of which the Lord said, I'll give it to you. Come with us and we will do you good. For the Lord has promised good concerning Israel. Now, we do not know for sure whether the Hobab here is Moses' brother-in-law or father-in-law. Now, that's a discussion for another day. I'm just telling you there's some questions. The point is, he was a Midianite, Hobab, was a Midianite. Uh, They were a tribe, a non-Jewish tribe of desert dwellers. So, Hobab, the Midianite, is given an invitation by Moses, the lawgiver, and the Jew. And Moses said to Hobab, the non-Jew, Not part of the covenant yet, which God established with Moses and his people. Moses says to this desert dweller, this Midianite, come with us. He said, we are setting out to the place God has promised. You can come with us. It will be good for you. Folks, it occurred to me that's exactly what the people of God do. In our travels to our land of promise, it's not geography, it's heaven itself. As we travel along for as long as the Lord leaves us in this journey until he calls us home. Don't you think it's our privilege and responsibility to do the same thing to say, hey, join us. Our God has promised us good. It will be good for you too. Folks, that's Old Testament evangelism. (laughs) Right there. Join the throng of those who are taking God at his word on a way to the experience of promise. You don't have to be a Jew. You can get under the covenant by faith in the Lord's provision. Hobab, come with us. And folks, uh, one of the things this church in its 40-plus years uh, has done is stayed true to its Great Commission mandate. So it has distinguished itself from other organizations. Our agenda is pretty clear. It is to lovingly uh, and in different ways, because we're different people, come alongside others traveling the road of life and saying, you're off track. You're lost. Come with us. We know where we're going. We're following Almighty God. It's good for us. He's promised us good things. It'll be good for you to join us. They were living proof of a marvelously loving God. And they said, Hobab, don't you want to experience his loving kindness as well? So, dear folks, could you stand to your feet still yet again? This is our mandate. It's called the Great Commission. Go everywhere. And as the opportunities present themselves and in diverse and manifold ways and in accordance with your God-given personality, invite others to join the throng of those who are marching onward to Zion. Would you pray That the Lord Jesus, as we continue to move forward, would impress upon us a burning, white-hot passion to see lost people saved. If we lose sight of that, may the Lord Jesus shut us down, for we will cease to be a church bringing glory to his name evangelism, soul-winning, gospel-sharing, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter. The vocabulary changes, the mandate and message remain the same. We must be people of that message. Jesus saves. We have been saved. Come with us. Accept the Savior, and it'll be good for you too. Would you just pray that God would give us a burning white-hot passion to invite others, just as Moses did, to come along with us. Please pray out loud to Almighty God. Amen and amen. Please be seated. So Moses gave the invitation, but it wasn't well received because according to verse 30, Hobab said, I won't come. I'd rather go to my own land and relatives. You have to be patient with people. You see, he was in a culture that was absolutely different than that, uh, which Moses represented. And so he would rather go to his... Uh, uh, area of comfort. And yet, later on in the book of Judges, there is some evidence that Hobab, in fact, did join Moses and made his way to the land of promise. But at this point, Moses uh, tried to persuade Hobab not to hesitate, but to come. And so, verse 30, he said to him, Hobab did, I'm not going to come. I'm going to go to my own land and relatives. And Moses said, verse 31, please don't leave us in as much as you know, you know where we should camp in the wilderness. You will be as eyes for us. Wow. That's an interesting thing for Moses to say in light of the fact that uh, God said, I'll guide you through a cloud by day and fire by night, and so now Moses is saying, uh Hobab, you will be eyes for us." And so, is this is, is, is he rejecting God's guidance? No, not at all. Uh, God's guidance through the cloud was general; it told the people when to camp and when to move out, but it did not precisely and specifically point out. Uh, things like, here's where you should pasture your flocks. Here's where uh, where you will find shade. Here is a source of water. In fact, those things were in very obscure places in the desert. And it required the knowledge and eyes of a Midianite desert traveler like Hobab. And so what you see here is this marvelous juxtaposition between divine guidance and human wisdom. And that's how God works. So here's what we want to do as a church. We want to pray that we would surely follow the Lord's lead in the days ahead and yet also be surrounded by wise counselors who speak into our lives about construction, about all manner of things, about how to fulfill the Great Commission, about how to be as effective a church as we have been and yet even more so in the days ahead. And so that's a combination, don't you see? of hearing from God, and also having ears open uh, to those who have expertise in areas that we need. Just be praying that we would follow the Lord and also wise counselors, as has been the case thus far in the life of Sagemont in the future. I won't make you stand for that. I'll just trust you to pray that we would be open to both. It's one thing to say, God, I'm not going to do a thing until you spell it out across the sky. That looks like it's very spiritual, but it may actually be the opposite because God may be saying, no, I've surrounded you with people with a measure of wisdom and insight and sanctified common sense. I'm not going to spell it out always supernaturally to you. I know you want the drama of it all, but sometimes I'm just going to give you guidance through people who know stuff be open to both. I hope we are. Okay, so verse 32 I'm picking up the pace here a little bit. So it will be Moses said, if you go with us, whatever good whatever good the Lord does for us, we will do for you. So I ask you this question be honest. Is it your heart's desire to be someone who does good for others in life? is it? Think about it. Maybe it's not. Be honest. You can't fool God. Today, some of us attended the homegoing service of a marvelous lady. I did not know her, but I know her family. They're members of our church. We went to pay our respects. What a celebration of a life well-lived. And I, and I didn't know that lady, but I want to know that lady, and I know I will one day when we all get to Heaven, you see. But this is a lady who was intent on doing good. And that's the legacy she left. She used what God gave her to do good for others, and so others filled the place to be thankful to God for a life well lived. So I ask you, do you wish to do good on behalf of others? And if the answer is yes, Surely you realize you can only do so in accordance with the good the Lord has done for you. That's what Moses said there. If you go with us, whatever good the Lord does for us, we will do for you. So, folks, you can only serve according to the good gifts God has given. And you can only give according to the finances God has given. Nowhere in the Bible does God require from his people what they do not have. (laughs) He only requires to entrust to him what we have by virtue of the fact that he has given it. So I want to ask you this. This is a tough one. Are you bold enough to ask God to bless you financially? No, no, no. Lots of people do that. But are you willing to ask God to bless you financially because, as He does, you will have more with which to do good? See, part B is a killer. Everyone wants more. For what purpose? But but are you willing to say, Oh, God, bless me, expand my resources, my energy? my maturity, my resources, my health, but not as an end in itself. Do it, Lord, because I wish to do good. If you're willing to do that, could you please stand to your feet and ask God to do good on your behalf. Say to him, oh God, if you bless me, I'll give the return. And I'll rejoice in it, for I'll know it's come from the Father's hand. Not coerced, not motivated by guilt or shame, sheer and utter sensational gratitude to you, O oh God, who we could never out-give. O oh God, would you so work in my heart that I could be trusted with more, you knowing I will not hoard it, squander it, or use it for self-serving purposes. Oh, God, I wish to do good, but I can only do good in accordance with your supply. Therefore, increase my supply that I may do more good. Would you please pray that now out loud to Almighty God? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, folks. Please be seated. They set out from the man of the Lord, says verse 33, three days journey, Ark of the Covenant journeying in front of them. What was in the Ark of the Covenant? The Torah. (laughs) The laws which God gave to Moses. The very word of God. Do you notice? They set out with the Ark of the Covenant. They set out with the word of God always before them. Do you know what the future holds for Sagemont Church? Neither do I. We have no clue. But everything else notwithstanding, may this always be true of us, that we follow the Word of God. We do not get ahead of it. We do not lag too far behind it. We find no substitutes for it. We set it up as our guide through life. The Word of God. I will leave that to you to pray. Would you please pray that the Word of God, which is so highly respected and valued in everything we do here, would simply continue to be so? Other churches have drifted, universities, colleges have drifted. We're subject to it. We have to be very, very circumspect, very, very careful. You have to have ears that hear. If you hear anything that seems to be askance from the scriptures, don't worry about being tactful. Point it out. Better for one of us to be offended than for one of us to be wrong and lead you astray. Help each other out. The Word of God is our guide. It's our standard for faith and for practice. May it ever be. Well, verse 34, the cloud of the Lord was over them by day when they set out from the camp, and here's what I want to close with, and I want you to see, it's very cool. Verse 35, it came about when the ark set out, Moses said, rise up, O Lord, let your enemies be scattered, and let those who hate you flee before you. And then he, it says in verse 36, when it came to, when the ark came to rest, Moses said, return, O Lord, to the myriad thousands of Israel. Folks, Moses is praying. If you want to know what to pray, let's see what Moses prayed in verse 35 and 36. In these two verses, he prayed for two things. In verse 35, he prayed for the power of the Lord. And in verse 36, he prayed for the presence of the Lord. There you have it. You pray for the power of the Lord. And you pray for the presence of the Lord. See, verse 36, return, O Lord. Not that God is not there. That's not the point. Present in the sense that we would acknowledge his presence. He didn't go anywhere. We drift. He doesn't go anywhere. So when we ask for his presence, we're asking for him to arouse us to it, that we would acknowledge it. So Moses prayed for these two things. He prayed for power, over enemies, God's enemies, and he prayed for God's presence with his people. If God is powerful, we as a church have victory. And if God is present, then we as a church will be at rest. No matter what's going on out there, we will rest because we have this overwhelming, resounding sense of the very real presence of the Most High God. Now, folks last time, and thank you so much. Please stand. You've got to pray. Don't you see? If Moses did it, how much more we? You've got to pray for those two things, the power of God against all those opposed to him, and you've got to acknowledge, some of you with great pessimism and almost a kind of a sociological depression, you see the alignment of nations as over against almighty God. You see it. Well, do something about it instead of being like a dried up prune. Pray, oh God, all-powerful one, win victory over those who oppose you. And secondly, pray, oh God, folks, there's so much anxiety in the church of Jesus Christ. Please don't let me lay any guilt trip on you. I wrestle with it just like everyone, but I know what I have to do. Oh God, if you're present, I need to have more peace. That's the evidence of it. If I think you're not with me. And I have to navigate the turbulent waters of life alone. Of course, I can't sleep. But oh God. You're the ever-present one. You'll never leave us or forsake us. Pray for the power of God on your own behalf, more importantly, on behalf of this corporate body of the Lord Jesus Christ and then secondly pray for his presence that no matter what governments that want to tax us I think unconstitutionally whatever it is I didn't say we shouldn't do something about it but just don't lose sleep about it just remember the presence of Almighty God you see the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ Pray for his power. Pray for his presence. And again, that means not that he left, but that we get distracted and forget how near he is. Please pray, pray.